Bibles, if you would, to Third John. Third John. The name of the message is a great contrast. Great contrast. Seem to be seeing this more and more as we study the scriptures too. Great contrast. Tonight we'll be back in Third John. We're Lord willing, finish the epistle tonight. And we'll see tonight a great contrast brought forth before us in the text of a false professor within the church and a true and faithful believer. Let's read the whole epistle again. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forward taking nothing of the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, fall not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. What a very endearing letter. Personal letter written by the Apostle John to a dear brother in Christ named Gaius. And now remember, we know that amongst the wheat in the church, the elect of God, there are terrorists planted also. We are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that God has allowed Satan to plant tares amongst his wheats. We're actually told that in Matthew 13, if you were turned there. But we're told in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest of you. There, there be heresies among the church that they which are approved may be made manifest to you. Those heresies, beloved, 
manifest the truth. Because the believer in Christ is taught by the Holy Spirit of God the difference between truth and error. And so Paul over there again in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19, he writes this, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved, God's elect, and the heresy, the heretics, they don't know Christ. They're professors, but they don't know him. That they may be made manifest among you. Now there will always be divisions and fractions and heresies in the church because Satan is always busy sowing tares. Sowing tares. Which are false professors and teachers. And they're plentiful. And human nature being weak and wicked is very easily led astray. Very easily led astray. And these two things do not come forth by chance because Paul wrote, for there must be heresies among you. Or as I said over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. The providence of God, by the providence of God, he allows Satan to sow tares amongst the wheat. He allows that to happen. And these tares allow men to discover the evil of our own hearts. The evil of our own hearts. Because the only one who's made us to differ is God's people. Is God himself. Turn, if you would, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We'll start in verse 24 and we'll read to verse 30. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, and again, this is the words of our master, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? gather up the tares? But he said, Nay, lest well ye gather up the tares, ye root up, also, root up also the wheat with them. Let us both grow together, let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So these things do not happen by chance, but through the providence of God, beloved. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Look a little further down in this chapter, and we'll read verses 36 to 43. 36 to 43. 
Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that soweth them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and then, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the, shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. We will see tonight in the close of this letter in verses 9 to 12 a great contrast brought forth. A contrast of two men within the church. And of course it's the Holy Spirit bringing this forth by inspiration, by inspiring John to pen these words. And he will bring this contrast before us in John's letter. And it illuminates the truth about the difference between those who confess, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and those who are tares sown amongst the wheat. And we see that this contrast before us brings forth two men here before us. Both members of the same church, probably a local assembly in Asia Minor. And again, this is a good reminder of the fact that the Lord has allowed Satan to sow bad seeds tares among the wheat in his field, as we looked at earlier in Matthew chapter 13. And we are to be careful, though, we are to be careful of what called, Paul called judgment before time, which was the Spirit's way of saying that at any given time, a, a true believer may go off the rails. It happens. It happens. We must be quick not to judge that such a one is not a believer. No, we just wait. And beloved of God, the fact is that we cannot tell the difference between the wheat and the tares. God can, but we cannot. And this is what the Lord was bringing forth in Matthew 13. There, And the wheat and chaff both appear the same together until the great harvest at the Lord's command, when the chaff, who are void of substance, they're not born again, they're void of the Spirit. Right? They're void of the Spirit when they are gathered together and bound up and cast into fire. We saw that in Matthew 13. Very sobering portion of scripture. But think upon this as John was one who, now think upon this too, John was one who had heard that teaching. He heard it, like, like you hear me speaking. He heard that teaching. He was there when Christ taught on this. He was right there. He was an ear witness and an eyewitness. He heard it all, and he saw Christ speak about this. So let's not forget that too. This isn't someone with second-hand knowledge. He heard him. 
proclaim this parable. And take note, he does not instruct Gaius to take action against Diotrephes, no. And this understands that he understood, that this indicates that he understood the principle taught by Christ in Matthew 29 and 30, or Matthew, verse 29 and 30 of Matthew 13, which says, but he said, nay, lest you, while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's read about this man, Diotrephes. Let's read verses 9 and 10 here, 3 John. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, Received us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. He wasn't just content with, with prating against them or speaking malicious words against John. No, look what he says further on. Neither doth he receive the brethren. He didn't even receive those John had sent, or who the Lord had sent as missionaries, and John approved of. He wouldn't even receive them. He, he himself, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, even forbidding other brothers and sisters in Christ who would receive those, those preachers and teachers. He's saying, no, you have to have nothing to do with them. My, oh my. And casteth them out of the church. Now we see here in verse 9 that John had written the church with some instruction, but we see that Diotrephes would not accept the Apostle John's instruction. Look at the first part of that verse. I wrote unto the church. He wrote, a, he wrote a letter. Evidently, we don't have that letter. But he wrote to them. He wrote to them, but Diotrephes who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. He would not receive the instruction that John the Apostle had sent. Didn't want nothing to do with it. He would not accept the Apostle John's instructions because why? He loved to be first. That's what the Greek says. He loved to be first. He loved to be preeminent. He loved the spotlight. So we see here that Diopolis liked to take the lead and put himself first and would not accept John's authority and would not listen to them. Didn't want to listen to him at all. Because he desired, the scripture is very clear here, he desired the preeminence. He desired the notoriety. He wanted to do the opposite of what the scriptures say. He wanted the Lord over the flock. He wanted to be the one everybody came to. Kind of like a mini pope, right? We don't need no pope, beloved. Do we? We have one head, and that's Christ. In Christ alone. Oh. So we he see here that Diotrephes, he had an ego problem, didn't he? It's very clear. He had an ego problem. He refused to receive certain preachers and certain missionaries which came 
And note that Gaius entertained them, though, in the face of opposition. That's why John's commanding Gaius, because he, he, he received these brethren. He received these brethren. His, and his, his charity, his love was spoken of throughout the land. You know, several of you open your homes up to folks when we have a conference. Or, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I know some of us can't, but some of us, but, but people do. And, and that's spoken of by the, I, I, hear, I hear back from the people who stayed. <laughs> and it's wonderful, beloved. It's absolutely wonderful. So Gaius, he entertained them in the face of opposition. And that opposition would have come from Diotrephes, for sure it would have came from him and from those who agreed with him. And we can tell from what is written here that the opposition came from Diotrephes. And this, again, was the occasion for this letter. Now, the letter that John wrote to the church, again, it's not being preserved. We don't know what it said. We don't know what it said, but it must have contained a request for the church to give favorable reception to those John sent to them. And, and if that's what was in that letter, that would be a reasonable request, wouldn't it? To receive them as your brothers, brother in Christ and show them hospitality. Show them hospitality. But the request, again, we, we would look at it and say, well, that's very reasonable. But obviously, Diotrephes had a problem. He had a problem with John, and he had a heart problem, beloved. He had a heart problem. He wished to assert his personal authority within the body. And he belonged to a class of those who loved to have the preeminence in the church. Loves to be the first in the church. Even if it's at the expense of the peace and prosperity of the body. He didn't care. He was all about himself. And we see then that this ambitious member or office bearer of the church succeeded. He succeeded for a time. He tasted the, the sweet, sweet sweets of so-called power that he was after. He got a majority of people to agree with him against the apostle, therefore the reason of this letter to Gaius. The reason of this letter to Gaius before us. We who are the people of God are exhorted by our dear brother Paul to do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Each of you should not only look should not only to your own in, should should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. We are always to esteem our brothers and sisters in Christ better than ourselves. Better than ourselves. But Theopolis, or boy, I messed his name up. I had to put it in my notes just so I wouldn't mess it up. It's a tough name for me to say for some reason. Diotrephes, he wasn't of that spirit. It was all about him. Now, he may have looked like a believer and acted like a believer, but 
deep down inside, it was all about him. All about him. Notice the characteristics of Diotrephes brought forth in verse 10. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that word, and casteth them out of the, of the church. So we see right off the bat here that John the Apostle brings forth the conduct of Diotrephes, and he condemns it. He condemns it. John brings forth that he will, if the Lord allows, come and vindicate his own authority and, and the commission of the missionaries that he sent and that were sent by God. Look at that. And we see here that one masterful, power-loving man in a church may work incalculable mischief and injury to the body of Christ. And we see in verse 10 that Diotrephes is praying against us, John says, with malicious words. Not only did he defame the apostle John, but also all those who were sent by him. And all those who agreed with the apostle John, boy, he didn't treat them very good, did he? Now here are two evils before us. Pratton, which means running on with speech. Running on with speech. The reproaches he heaped on John and others were silly, idle, and empty stuff, Weiss brings out. He's a Greek scholar. He said they were just silly, idle, and empty stuff. There was no substance, no substance to that which, which Diotrephes was pratting against John about. And this is not unusual for true ministers of the gospel to be prated against. Not only by men of the world, but also by professors of religion. It's not unusual. It's not unusual. And all of this railing and prating is only to what? Exalt themselves. It's only to exalt themselves. Only to exalt themselves in the eyes of the people. Listen to what Paul pens in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder except on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder except on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that should be so for anyone, right? That's so for anyone. Anybody, anybody in the body of Christ, I believe. We're not to accept an accusation against a dear brother or sister in Christ without two or three witnesses. My. If a man bridle not his tongue, this man's religion is in vain. And beware of the slavery of the tongue and the sins of gossip and slander. Remember our Lord. What did they say about our King, beloved? They said he was a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, didn't they? That wasn't true. He's the sinless, spotless lamb of God. They had no idea that 
that was who he was. He's God incarnate in the flesh. And they said, he's God incarnate in the flesh. And they went so far as to say, he has Bezizabob, by the prince, uh, by the prince of the demons, he casts out, out, out devils. They said, he doesn't do this by the power of God. He does this by the power of the devil. And it's God himself doing the miracles in the flesh, beloved. A few years back, you all saw people who loved the preeminence, didn't you? But praise be to God, he, he kept this work here, kept it going. Eh? Praise be to our great God, beloved. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And then malicious words here in our text means hurtful and evil words. Hurtful and evil words. So we see that this man speaks slanderous words about the Apostle John. And he's not satisfied with just praying and, and, and throwing malicious words out. No, he's not just satisfied with that. No, no, this man wants more. No, he casts out all who disagree with him. You don't agree with me? Well, you must not be saved. Out you go. It is awful. It is awful when someone accuses a man of God or a woman who's in Christ that they don't believe the gospel because they don't agree with them. That's horrible. I've heard preachers maligned because they didn't agree with people on certain things. And they preach the gospel so clearly. My, it's awful. Let that spirit never be here. We pray, right? We pray, Lord, don't ever let that spirit be in here. Don't let that spirit be in here, Lord, please. We're just going to enjoy the preaching of the gospel and serving the Lord together. And, and when things come up, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. But oh, what a blessing for us to be able to gather together, beloved, and sit and hear the gospel preached and proclaimed, me to study and to be able to proclaim it to you all. What a blessing. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's absolutely wonderful. And we have fellowship here, and praise God, we're going to have fellowship and glory together, beloved. Look at verse 10 again. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, praying against us with malicious words, throwing things out there and accusations that aren't even true. Aren't even true. And not content therewith. No, no, he's not content with that. Neither doth he receive the brethren. Ha, you can't fellowship with that brother. He's not even a brother. Well, I'll make that decision myself. Because I'll go talk to that brother. I'll go talk to that brother. Go to the cause. Go right to the person, beloved. Always do that. Always do that. Go right to the person who's being accused of something, and talk to them. Talk to them. Don't take second-hand words. Talk to them. Talk to them. And then he forbiddeth them that would. So those who would receive the brother in Christ that come to preach, he said, no, nah, I'm not going to receive him, and we're not going to receive you either. That's a horrible spirit, isn't it? Oh, my. 
Neither doth he receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church, it says there at the latter part of verse 10. So again, he's not, he's not just satisfied with speaking against the ministry of John or of the, the missionaries and preachers who come, who come through to preach that, that obviously were sent by God, but that John had probably sent to them to preach the gospel too because it was all part of God's plan, but no, he wasn't happy with that. He threatened to cast them out of the church, those who, who agreed or disagreed with him, which was an abuse of church discipline. That's a total abuse of church discipline. He basically said, if you don't listen to me, you're out the door. He's lording over the sheep. There, there should never be lording over the sheep, beloved. Not from the pastor and not from the body. Never. Never. There's no hierarchy in the body of Christ except one head we have, beloved. One head. Oh my. He's not satisfied again with speaking against them. He's going to toss everybody out who disagrees with them. Look at verse 11. Look at, look at John's exhortation here in verse 11. Beloved, fall not that which is evil. Do not follow that man. Do not follow him. Not at all. No matter what smooth things he says, do not follow him. But that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. So he tell, tells Gaius here not to imitate the spirit that Diotrephes has. Don't imitate that. Don't imitate any kind of evil, he says here. And again, he's, 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 he's warning Gaius not to follow the ways of Diotrephes. Don't imitate his pride. Don't imitate his ambition. Don't imitate his love of preeminence. Don't imitate that. Don't Im imitate his inhospitality to preachers and believers. Don't, don't imitate those things. Don't imitate those things. Don't be of a critical spirit. Don't be in careless criticism of those who minister the word of God. And John exhorts this, speak not evil of, one of, of, of another brother. Don't speak evil of your brothers and sisters. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Oh my. So we're to follow and imitate that which is good, such as love, forgiveness, kindness, and humility. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. Look at this, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verses 22 to 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. 
If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Very clear. So let us never forget that it's not only important that we learn grace in doctrine, but that we learn grace in heart and in spirit. May God give us more grace. More grace in dealing with people, in our attitude, in our actions. And it's very evident that Diotrephes has not experienced the grace of God. He's not experienced the grace of God. How can we know that? Well, we're in 3 John here. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And look at verses 6 to 8, and then we'll read verses 20 to 21. 6 to 8. We are of God. He that knoweth God, heareth us. He that is not of God, heareth not us. Diotrephes wouldn't, didn't, want to hear, didn't want to hear John, didn't want to hear anyone who was sent by him. Look at that. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now look at a few verses down. Look at verses 20 and 21. If a man say, if you say this, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Look at that. Clearly stated, isn't it? For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment hath we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. Very clear, isn't it? Very clear. This is why I can't understand when, when, when someone brings an accusation against a preacher who I've listened to and you've listened to and know that they're preaching the gospel and they absolutely despise them. My. Let Scripture say what Scripture says. Eh? Look at verse 12. Now here's a contrast. Here's a, here's a great contrast being brought forth now by the Apostle John between Diotrephes and a dear brother called a dear brother called Demetrius. And look at the contrast here. Demetrius hath good report of all men. And of the truth itself. Oh, he loves the truth. 
He has a good report from his brothers and sisters in Christ about his faithfulness. And he also has a good report about his love for the truth. His love for the truth. Yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. So think of the contrast that here is brought forth before us. In his first, think of the, the contrast that we saw in the first epistle between light and darkness. He said if you he said one one says he has fellowship with God and walks in darkness and knows not the truth. That's diatrophies. And one walks in the truth and knows the truth and loves the truth. That's Demetrius. Very clear, isn't it? Very clear. So what a contrast we have here between a true believer and a false believer. And John's conclusion of the matter of light and darkness, belief and unbelief, is found in the effect of the gospel. There's no doubt that, that Diotrephes and, and Demetrius both openly confessed Christ. There's no doubt that they did that. They're both members of a church. They both confessed probably that Christ had come in the flesh, but for, for uh, Diotrephes, though, it was a false confession. It was the confession of one who says he has fellowship with God, but walks in darkness. Walks in darkness. Titus says this. Paul writing to his dear brother Titus, he writes him this, unto the pure all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God. They profess that the Diotrephes professed that he knew God, right? But listen to this. But in works they deny him. He denied him in how he treated. He denied. His profession was a sham. And it came through in how he treated John and the other the other preachers that were sent to preach. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and, and unto every good work, reprobate, left to themselves. So we see here too that Diotrephes had position and influence, but it was manifest in self. For he was self-seeking, it says in the scriptures here. He loved the preeminence. He loved, he loved to be number one. And the opposite of love is, is, is not hate. It's, as Brother Tim James says, it's self. Self-love. And we see then that the Apostle John's assessment of diatrophies is twofold. First, we see that he loves to have the preeminence in the assembly of the saints, which is spoken of here. And this is a glaring evidence that his profession is, is false because, again, there's no hierarchy in the body of Christ. And we have but one head, beloved. 
We have one head. We have one potentate, don't we? And it's not that man in Rome. That's just a sinner like you and I. That man. Our potentate is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our commander-in-chief. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the captain of the Lord's house. It's him. It's him. And think of this. We are members of the body of Christ, serving with particular functions, right? Each of us have different giftings. Each of us have different giftings, beloved. It's evident in the body, isn't it? There's things that others do I can't do. My, it's evident. There's different giftings within the body. But we're all codependent and interdependent with emphasis on the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are all dependent upon Christ. Every one of us. Every single member of the body of Christ is is wholly dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. The head of the church. Let's read verses 13 and 14 here. It says, I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write these, write, write unto you, thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Oh, peace be. You can just, you can just hear the love that he, you can read the love that he has for Gaius. He really loves it. And this is true. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we love each other, don't we? In Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing. We love to hear the gospel preached. We love to gather together with the saints. We love it. And look at he says, Peace be to thee, our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Oh, greet the brethren by name. Your, your brothers and sisters in Christ salute you. Greet the friends by name. Greet them by name. Tell them we love them. So we see he closes, John closes his epistle with love, saying, there's more I'd like to say in your presence. There's more I'd like to say to you, but I'd like to say it in your presence. What? That the joy may be full, eh? (laughs) Oh my, what a blessing it is when we gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we see one another in the flesh. Hence the importance of public worship. Gathering together. That's why, that's why the scripture says don't forsake the assembly on yourself together because you're a blessing to other people within the body. That's how it is. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And think of this too. We see that diatrophies, he desired the preeminence. We saw that in the text tonight. And that's a killer. Preeminence is a killer. Remember when I, before the Lord called me here, Jean-Claude, about two years before, he, we had no idea that I'd be coming here, but he told me, he pulled me aside and he said, beware of preeminence, Brother Wayne. It's a killer. It's a killer amongst preachers. Always remember that Christ is to get all the preeminence. All of it. Gets the glory. 
He gets the glory. And I forgot that. Those were very wise words from him. Very wise words. Preempts a killer. And we know that our Lord will not share his glory with anyone, don't we? We know that from Scripture. He said, I won't share my glory with anyone. No one. No one. He'll not have anyone lord over his sheep. No. No. They're his people. They're his people. And it's Christ who shed his blood for them. They're his, his people by purchase. It's he who was the substitute on Calvary's cross for them. It's he who rose from the grave for their justification. And God will only accept us, beloved, in Christ. No, he's the head. We're the body. What's the body do? Whatever the head tells it to do. Right? Think of that. Your head tells your arm to do something. (laughs) Your head tells your feet to walk. Yeah. So, isn't it? And God has declared, in in Colossians chapter 1, God has declared so clearly that Christ is to have all the preeminence. He says this, and he, being Christ, is the head of the body, the church. Local ecclesia, the called out ones in the Greek, a local, it's called ecclesia, it means the called out ones, called out from the world, gathered together. Church is not a building, it's a body. The head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That he might be first. That's what that means. He might be first. So we're here, gathered together each week, and we declare the preeminence of Christ, don't we? He gets all the glory. You ask a believer, who gets all the glory? Well, God gets it all. I got nothing to boast in. He gets all the glory. He gets it all. He did everything for me. He saved my soul. He did everything for me. He watched over me even before I was saved. He watches over me now, and he'll watch over to me until I breathe my last breath, and then I'll have the, the honor and, and to be in his presence forever. Oh, my. What a Savior. What a Savior. And true believers' practices go unnoticed in their duties. But we see here that Diotrephes, he's all about Diotrephes. True believers just go about what they have to do, what they're called to do, and we just go about serving the Lord, don't we? Yeah. But Diotrephes here, he's all about Diotrephes. And we see that, that he acted directly opposite to Gaius. He direct, op, operated directly opposite to Gaius. And we've seen tonight that the opposite of, of Diotrephes is Demetrius, too. Demetrius. He spoke no prating or malicious words against John the Apostle or against those who were sent by him. No, he received them, didn't he? He received them. Also, rather than excommunicate those in the church, which is a Roman term, not, not a... 
He, he didn't toss out those who, who loved the gospel. Demetrius didn't do that. But, but the Octopheus, boy, if they were against him and they didn't agree with him, off they went. But Demetrius did the opposite. He received those who loved the gospel. He received those who loved. He didn't have a little click. No. He received those who preached the gospel. He didn't speak prating words or malicious words. No. And he had a good report of all the of the church. And that can be said of all the brethren, can it? Now, what is the good report founded upon? What's, what's the good report of Demetrius founded upon? Oh, we know, don't we? You know, sister, we know. Christ. It's Christ. Belief of the truth. Love of the gospel. Love of he who is the truth. And, and a manifestation of that is that we love the brethren. I remember Donnie Bell saying to me, one thing that Satan cannot counterfeit, he can counterfeit a lot of things. But one thing he cannot counterfeit is the love of God in Christ that's in our hearts, beloved. He cannot counterfeit that love for the brethren. He says that's the only thing he can't counterfeit. I I agree with him. A lot of other things can be counterfeited, but not that. Oh, not that love we have for one another. No. No. So that good report was founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ who is the truth. The one who Demetrius trusts his eternal soul to. He trusts his eternal soul to. The one whom he loves. Right? The, one, the one whom he also loves all those who are loved by him. Demetrius loves all those who are loved by Christ. Right? That's how it should be. You might not agree with them all the time, but you love them, don't you? Yeah. You love them. You love your brothers and sisters in Christ. We love all those who love the truth. So we see then that an enemy has been disclosed by John. And notice he names them too, doesn't he? But he encourages Gaius to align with those who confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he's come in the flesh. Oh my. To God be the glory. Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you for allowing us again the privilege of gathering together tonight and looking into your word and rejoicing at what you've done for us. We know that the scriptures are full of exhortation and warnings for us and they can bring us great joy, peace. Well, we're going through various things, O Lord. Again, we pray you'd be with our, our dear sister Irene tonight. Give her strength, Lord. Give her grace. And be with Richard and Dan and Kathy and the family. Strengthen our dear brother Richard. Oh, give him grace, Lord, in his time of need. And we lift up our fellow church members to you. We pray that, Lord, there's many needs within the body. Many, many needs. And, Lord, we pray that if it be your will, you meet those needs. And that you give grace and strength in our time of need. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.